This morning's scripture reading is from Mark 8:27 and 28. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. Praise be to Christ. It's gotten a little easier to invite folks to church. Um, I was speaking with one of my neighbors this past week. We're uh, practicing social distancing, but we're also texting more and and chatting more because there's more to talk about. And I said, uh, could be a good time to come back to church. And his response was, not a chance. I told him that was going to be part of the sermon. He thought that was funny. We're talking about attributes of a follower of Christ. Um, This is a a section of a book that has really helped me understand the book of Mark in the Bible better. It's by Hans Beyer, one of my professors at Covenant Seminary. It's called The Theology of Mark. And it's one of those books, I don't know if when you read it's like this, where parts of it are pretty good in terms of like helpful to me personally. And then there's a part in the middle that's phenomenal. And the part in the middle is the one that has informed this preaching series. And instead of evangelism or sharing our testimony, or um, witnessing, using kind of the perhaps typical words that Christians use, he calls the description, of uh, the attribute of a follower of Christ who tells others about Christ with their life and with their words, holistic confession. And I love that because our faith is something that we think. It is intellectual. It's also something that we feel. Some of you are not is into feelings, I get that, yet you have them. Faith is also something that we believe, perhaps where our being, our, our gut even, is wedded to our mind, which is wedded to our feelings. It is how we talk. It is how we act. Our faith is all of, of these things. And when we invite someone to church, and they say, not chance, first of all, we're all in this together. Second of all, um, this is a, a, a holistic move on our part. And I like the word confession. I struggle with it because I guess early on, especially with respect to religion and Christianity, I defined confession as a, something that Catholics do some amount of the time. But that's not the biblical perspective on it. it. Not to say that doesn't matter for those who profess faith that way. But for us, it's a holistic move of sharing our very lives and our intellect, such as it is, and our feelings and gut with others. And I also like the word confession because it's humble. There's a humility to it. I think that when we, talk, when we start talking about... Um, when we start talking about evangelism, something happens. We get nervous because people have um, done it so poorly so often. And that's where, hopefully you've heard pastors talk about this, perhaps you've heard me talk about it. Um, It it must be an embodied mixture of both grace and truth, love and honesty, gentle and clear. When When it isn't that mixture, we lose both, right? If we're sharing with someone what we believe, but we don't care about them, we're either most likely harming them and their interest in the gospel or more specifically we're not actually caring for them the gospel is embodied news that is true 
and existentially satisfying. It's helpful and hopeful. When Peter describes uh, sharing, he says, everyone be prepared to give an account for the hope that is in you and do so respectfully. If we have news through the pursuing love of Jesus, if we have received news that changes everything, not news as in a piece of information, news as in a story that's true that changes everything, if all of that's true, that it's intellectually credible, existentially satisfying, helpful, hopeful, then of course we're going to share it. This is an interesting... Joseph and I were joking before the service that last fall he would read two chapters of Revelation and now he gets to read two verses from the book of Mark. And the reason is not because I don't trust him. That was his joke that went over pretty well. But because these attributes are just like little breadcrumbs throughout the book of Mark. The book of Mark is wildly fast. Jesus is energetic. He interacts, he interacts with lots of people. And then there are these beautiful breadcrumbs like the verses that he just read from chapter 8. And then there's a harsh, and we, we read it a couple of weeks ago, so we don't need to read it again, where Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me, I will reject you. And yet what happens at the end of Mark? We see the, the full story in the book of John. Peter, whose storytelling got us this book, rejects Jesus. So what, how do, what do we make of these words? What do we make of this teaching? That we are to holistically confess Jesus as Lord to our neighbors. And then we have Jesus speaking harsh words and then we see such gentleness in his reception back of Peter. Well, that's because these are attributes and not a to-do list. Surrendering to Jesus is not something we do to check a box. There are no boxes to check. Learning to pray is not something we do to merit God's favor. There is no merit except the work of Christ. And then learning to holistically confess Jesus as Lord or evangelize or witness to others is something we do because we have been so loved. It is an attribute given to us by the Holy Spirit. And as soon as we start talking about it, I assume you wonder something about this question. Because I think that thoughtful atheists are not as bothered by the hypocrisy of Christians as are people who have some amounts of faith or they used to be a person of faith or used to go to the church. This is the most consistent problem I hear with Christians and with the church. And there are so many ways to respond to it. I kept looking for new and more fun definitions of hypocrite. I went on like the regular dictionary and urban dictionary, which I do when I'm needing creativity and to laugh. Um, Although sometimes it's like, ah, it's too much. And I close the tab. Here's the reality though that I want to share with you. Are we hypocrites? Do we sometimes act differently than we believe? Do we sometimes speak differently than we believe? Do we sometimes neglect to love Yeah. And I've heard preachers talk about this, especially the first pastor that I served under in St. Louis. And what he would say is, when we're caught, the most profound move of a Christian, when we're caught in in, in hypocrisy by our child or our spouse or a co-worker 
or perhaps someone we were sharing the gospel with, a fundamental Christian response is one of humility that probably goes like this. You don't know the half of it. A holistic confession begins with our own souls. It doesn't begin with learning how to share the gospel with another human. It begins with learning to speak to ourselves about the true things of Jesus. It's learning to express to our soul or asking God to speak to our soul the truth that enlivens our entire being with life. I don't know how many of you are on Twitter. I can go back and forth. Sometimes I keep the app on my phone, sometimes not. But this week, thanks to a friend that I have that's in the energy sector, I learned how Triscuits got their name. Anybody else see this? There are actually humans in the room. Anybody see this? Okay, so the person who... I know you... Yes, my wife saw it because I shared it with her. So the person who started the investigation into where did Triscuit got its name was... Uh, thought it was three. That it was... Three things that made Triscuit awesome. The company that makes Triscuits replied to him on Twitter and said, That's not it, but we can't tell you what it is. So he did a deep dive. Triscuits' first advertisements were about how they're made with electricity. So, Electriscuit. And the company responded and said, That's it. We had to go up to the higher-ups of the company to confirm that that's how they're made. And that's way too long of an illustration, except that I love it, first of all, which is probably obvious. But second of all, the beginning of our confession of Jesus as Lord, the beginning of our evangelism, is speaking to our own soul about the incredible satisfaction that comes from being known and loved in the Beloved from knowing that Jesus not only loves us, but likes us. Zephaniah 3.17 says that the Lord rejoices over us with singing. We believe intellectually that He loves us. I hope we resist, though something in our being resists that He actually likes us. But you don't rejoice over someone with singing that you only are for them, but you don't particularly like them. The beginning of our evangelism is knowing and resting in and believing that we're loved. And one of the things that we must do with our own soul is ask our questions. You have unique questions. One of the most interesting things to me in ministry been meeting in small groups with people where I was purported to be the leader for over 20 years and I'm blown away by the different questions people ask. And, and, and we could probably put all of their questions under certain headings, right? And we could deal with them inter- apologetically, you know, as a defense of the faith. You could use, uh, I'm reading a lovely book of apo- uh, apologetic book right now. And we could probably group the questions under that. And yet you ask them specifically because of your story, because of your intellect, because of your knowledge of the scriptures and philosophy. And even if you're like, I don't know anything about philosophy. Well, that's a philosophy. You have unique questions. They're not totally unique in that no one's ever thought about the category, but you ask them differently. And part of the beginning of our evangelism and holistic confession of Jesus as Lord to our neighbors is dealing with our own questions. You wrestled with your questions? Doubt shows a faith that is engaged if it's an engaged doubt. 
part of our holistic confession is uh, involves honesty, the antidote to hypocrisy. And I think we are, uh, I think we're feeling some things this week, aren't we? And part of how we speak to our souls is with the promises of God, with respect to our fear and anxiety and anger. I got it. I became angry twice this morning, and both times I could tell it was roughly twice as angry as I should have been at the thing. Why? There's a lovely article that I hope that you saw this week called The Anxiety That You're Feeling Is Grief. And I printed it, and two days later read it, and it is not a long article in the Harvard Business Review. And I was so thankful because the anxiety that I feel is grief. And it was doubly helpful not only to think of grieving for the time that we're going through and the loneliness of you and of me, but also my friend who died on Monday. For those of you that that was a surprise, I'm sorry. We try and communicate as best we can. It's even more challenging now. Maybe you want to check in with me or with Lida if you're a, a member, a regular attender of Covenant Presbyterian Church. But my friend died on Tuesday morning. So I'm grieved. And part of my holistic confession of Jesus as Lord is speaking to my soul about that anxiety, which helps me to remember to grieve. I know something about grief, but I needed that um, nudge to move from feeling angry and anxious, I kind of go back and forth naturally, into grief and then speaking to my soul about it. I don't know how familiar you are with the Psalms. I hope that you know them. I hope that you let them pray you. We sing this, but notice how the psalmist is speaking to his soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. All that is within me. All of my mind, all of my gut, all of my heart, my emotions and will. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Hear that, soul? Forget not all his benefits. Peace, joy, guide to a flourishing life. Are you afraid? It's legitimate. And yet we have his promises to rest in. We have his commands about what to do with our fear and anxiety to cast it on him. If you're like me, when you remember to do that, and I resist it in all sorts of ways, when I remember to do it, it doesn't reduce all of my anxiety, but it reduces some of it. And yet, I downloaded Monopoly onto my iPad as a diversion instead of prayer this week. Which doesn't mean I didn't pray this week, but I probably played more games of Monopoly with strangers and with some family members than... I should have, if we're comparing that to how I could have reduced so much, or the Lord would have reduced so much anxiety in me through prayer. Learning to to tell the story of Jesus in our lives begins with speaking to our very being about this. And then it moves into friendship. I struggled. I wanted to put this in some kind of an image, and and those who often make images for me know that I'm not good at describing what I want, much less uh, in in a way that's clear enough to produce it. 
some of our evangelistic efforts in, in the ways that some of us were raised, and all of us, I think, have experienced this, are motivated more by fear, more by hell, than they are by love. And I wonder if we could look at evangelistic efforts and picture some of them as motivated by love and others motivated by fear, and then somehow that image could be influenced by, or, or we could, learn, we could uh, explore together how much of the evangelism through fear worked and how much of it actually backfired and how much of it through friendship was actually good holistic confession of Jesus as Lord and was received as love even if it was not responded to well. Your role as a follower of Jesus with respect to holistic confession of him as Lord, witnessing evangelism, does, is not greater than the word friend. Holistic confession of him is through friendship, which is not an antidote to hypocrisy. But it is an antidote to the problem of hypocrisy because the problem of hypocrisy is perhaps <laughs> when we're not honest about it. All true ministry, all true evangelism requires friendship to last. You know that, right? It's true historically. It's true evidentially. And I'll bet it's true with your family and friends. It certainly is with mine. And that's challenging. Like here I am talking about friendship. But we can't be with people. But we can. We need to utilize our little texting TikTok boxes for phone calls also. For FaceTime. Thank you for laughing at my joke. I barely understand what TikTok is, but apparently that was good. Although I did see a pastor throw a chicken. He linked his TikTok video somehow to Facebook. That was fun. Back to your notes. Um, we do have Zoom technology. And it's challenging. It, 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 I think Zoom might be more tiring than a meeting because I'm attempting to actually focus on everyone's face at the same time, and yet it's worth it. I was able to see some family members last night through it. And what is friendship? I really started for about 15 minutes this week. I was like, I've got to define friendship in some new and exceptional way. And then I realized that our women's ministry... Um, defined it very, very well a number of months ago through one of their evenings of encouragement, time, risk, intention, and prayer. And this is how God most often and for sure most effectively draws people into his family. Through us giving our time, risking with others intentionally and prayerfully. This is how God invites people into his family. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to do something during my sermon. If you are a follower of Jesus, I'm going to give you an encouragement too. You're not off the hook. But I want you to take a moment. I mean, if you're watching this service, there is some kind of curiosity in you. I believe that is the Holy Spirit's pursuit of you. Would you take a moment and ask God and your soul one of your questions? It can be big, small, it can be complicated or terse. Take a moment and ask your soul and God, 
Most people pray, even if they're not people of faith. Go ahead and pray for a moment and ask God a question. If you are a follower of Jesus, take a moment and pray for a friend that is not yet a follower of Jesus. I'm going to do the same. Those of you with authority issues, I get it. You couldn't do what I asked. That's okay. All the rest of you, thanks. I don't know about you. My mind got distracted and I started asking God questions instead of praying for my friend who said there's not a chance he came to church, but I came back around to it. Is your brain sort of rabbit traily like mine? So holistic confession begins with our own souls and moves into friendship. And there are a lot of ways that we talk about our role. One of, the most, one of my very favorite things about the gospel of Jesus is, is not only that it frees us from sin and death into love, but then we have a role. And these are some of the ways that, I, that our role is talked about in the New Testament. Heir, you are an heir of Christ. You're a beloved son of the King. You're a beloved daughter of the king. We like to talk about calling, which I define as, a, as a, our circumstances, gifts, and affections held up before Jesus. Agency. We're his agents of reconciliation and change and love and repentance in the world. You have a role to play in his story. But let me be super, 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 super clear about this. All of those words are less significant than the word friend when we're talking about evangelism. Calling is under friendship. Agency is under. Son and daughter is a glorious promise that no one can take away from you. And nothing can take away from you. With respect to evangelism, it is your friendship. These are interconnected and interdependent things. And yet the word friend needs to be the fundamental way we approach evangelism. And we're always trusting the Spirit. And trusting the Spirit and and trusting our, our theology that God chooses and pursues those whom He pursues and loves actually releases us from the responsibility into the opportunity. If we're not motivated by fear, then we're motivated by love. If we're not motivated by a quota that doesn't exist because all of this is the Holy Spirit, then we're motivated by love. And our friendship will be evangelistic. I don't hear people at the barn struggle with what I'm about to talk about, but when we talk about evangelism, in my experience, we have to talk about something very specific. You do not need to tell anyone that they're going to hell. Ever. Ever. Because, one, you don't know. That's not your job. Do you think hell exists? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I don't know if you do. 
It does exist. Jesus was quite clear about that. Theologians actually debate whether it's in the presence of God without the work of Christ on your behalf or the lack of the presence of God. Jesus always spoke about it metaphorically, metaphorically, which should actually increase our attention to it. But when we're talking about evangelism, hell is not the way to go. It's love. If my neighbor ever asks, why are you so interested in getting me to church? I'm going to say to him, because you're missing out on the peace and the love of Jesus. Here's the other problem with telling people about hell. You have a role in their life. So not only do you not know theologically, what about next year when you're still friends with them and because of your love and your admission of your own hypocrisy and your excellent, excellent sense of humor and incisive wit, they're a little more intrigued. Right? Don't stop the conversation. We assume that people are on uh, a spirit... I don't want to take this analogy too far, but we assume people are on a spiritual journey towards Christ. If they're at F, you don't need to try and get them to T. First of all, you don't get them anywhere. That's the Holy Spirit. Second of all, as a friend, your role is to befriend. Right? Third... God is incredibly clear. Read the book of Ephesians. Read the book of Romans. God pursues in love those whom he pursues, which releases us from a problematic, fear-based obligation into friendship and discussing with people when they're ready, respectfully, the hope that is in us. To quote Peter, the motive is love. Without anxiety, free to befriend and to then holistically confess Jesus as Lord. You have a friend who is not a follower of Jesus. Your friendship with them begins with talking to your own soul about the promises of God. Then it's prayer. Then it's moved towards them as a friend. And that's why I love utilizing the term holistic confession because it eludes us a little bit. We're more comfortable with to-do lists. Part of us would would understand faith more easily if it was merit. And this was something we could do for God. But it is actually an attribute, not a to-do list. The scriptures, if we pay attention to them, do this all the time. The fruit of the Spirit, not fruits. Fruit from Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are all being grown all at the same time like a tree in us because of the Holy Spirit. The definition by description of love in 1 Corinthians 13, we can take them and turn them into small to-do lists, but that's not the point. It's a definition by description of what happens when we learn to rest in the grace, mercy, and love of God the Father, His Son Jesus, and the indwelling Holy Spirit. The Beatitudes, the beautiful attitudes. I mean, for decades, I thought those were the attitudes I was supposed to be. That doesn't work. You know, first preaching class I ever took in seminary, they're very clear, don't ever tell anyone to be anything. It doesn't work. And and I was confused about the Beatitudes. They're beautiful attitudes that naturally develop as we learn to receive And rest in the love of Jesus. And then we tell people about the good news that we know 
If you believe that the gospel of Jesus is news that changes everything, that it's true, that it has satisfied your soul in ways that nothing else ever has or can, then of course you're going to share with people through friendship. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we trust you to pursue those you pursue. We have questions about that. Would you help us to search your word, to speak with our souls? Would, more importantly, would you speak to our souls about our questions? Jesus, we are so thankful for your mercy, your pursuing love, your grace. Would you teach us to rest in them so profoundly that others know we have received peace? And as you lead us, would you help us to confess your lordship to our friends that are not yet your followers? Holy Spirit, we have a lot of emotions about all the things. You comfort us. We ask that you increase that felt comfort. Your role, Holy Spirit, as you've described in your word, is to assure us that we are loved you meet us right now and assure us that we are yours and you are ours. And God, I ask for the individuals who do not yet profess that you're Lord. I ask that they would and immediately receive the peace, joy, and righteousness that are your kingdom. Amen.